welcome to the February edition of BBRO Bcast. I'm Francesca Broom, your host and Knowledge Exchange Manager for BBRO. And as February is known as the beating heart of the year, we're going to take a look at the beating heart of sugar beet harvest. And that's a trip on a harvester with a fairly new but well-known harvest driver. We're also going to catch up with Harry Runciman, who has been carrying out a number of harvester tests across the sugar beet growing area. So strap yourselves in. Let's hear how it's going down the farm. Welcome along to the February edition of Beatcast. And those of you that are harvest drivers or have sat alongside your driver may be able to recognise the, the slight drone in the background because I have great pleasure of sitting in a harvester along with a fairly new harvest driver. And uh, I'm pleased to welcome along Alistair Wright, who you might know better as Dr. Alistair Wright for BBRO, and he's undertaken a bit of a new role this year. What are you up to then, Alistair? Well, thank you, Chairs. Yes, um, obviously I'm still working for BBRO four days a week as normal, but uh, I've had to step up due to staff illness on the farm and learn how to drive the harvester. A lot to get to grips with. I'd hardly sat in the cab before November, and I must have spent a couple of hundred hours up here now, and, well, I quite enjoy it. Yeah, and doing a good job, Alice. I'm glad (laughs) to see we're not going too fast. We're keeping a fairly steady speed here. Yeah, three and a half k at the moment. I'm not a speed demon. We've still got about 200 hectares to uh, harvest all in um, for our customers. But slow and steady wins the race. I think we're doing a fairly good job, but we'll find out from Harry, won't we? Yeah, later on we're going to be talking to Harry Runciman from British Sugar. And Harry's been busy doing a number of harvesting tests around the sugar meat growing area. And uh, Alistair has very bravely offered himself for a test. So we're going to see just how good he is. That's quite a, quite a, a task to put yourself forward when uh, you've only been harvesting for how many weeks? Oh, a handful of days, really. <laughs> Probably 10 days all in. But, um, you know, there's only one way to learn and find out what you're doing well and what you're not. You've said you've been harvesting the farm. Have you done your own harvesting as well? Uh, yeah, so on and off. We're just working around our customer base, contract harvesting to keep the... Make, well, help the harvester pay for itself. We've had this one for six years now. It's a Vivat 617, good machine. Done about 10,000 hours all in now. Works, worked hard, but uh, yeah, has to pay for itself. So uh, in addition to lifting the 600 or so acres on the farm, or I should use hectares, I suppose, the 240 odd hectares we've got at home, we do about twice that um, for contract lifting. So we're here at, um, near Watton for uh, Bowles Farms today. And these people go off to Whissington, but most of our customers are further south uh, supplying berry. And actually, I'm quite surprised that the, the land you're lifting on here, we are um, sort of still in the Breckland area. It's not too wet considering the amount of rain we've had. That is the uh, benefit of the Brex. Uh, I think at some stage over the Christmas break, this could have been the only harvester running in Berry because of they, that is the good thing about such light land um, you can pretty much go whenever but we had a couple of days we had to stop but yes here we're, we're right next to the battle area at Stanta it isn't the best but it's a good looking crop fantastic crop and we're keeping the two tractors and trailers busy so there must be a fair bulk of crop uh, to harvest yeah you definitely didn't have any problem here with the frost did you so no no they look really healthy so we couldn't go on Saturday I came over and um we tried, it just wasn't uh, thawing out, but you can see the beet has survived unharmed almost. So, Very different picture to the one we had last year, isn't oh, it? Oh, completely. 
this might be a little bit unfair, but before you got on the harvester this morning, did you do any settings for it? Uh, no, it was all set from yesterday, <laughs> so the computer remembers everything. I've adjusted the share depth a couple of times, and obviously we have to keep the, the topper going up and down to follow the beat, and it's not the most level field, so that's keeping me on my toes, but everything else is pretty much automatic. It, it does do all the that bit of hard work for you, but compared to driving the combine, it's quite an unintelligent machine. It doesn't give you the yield and all that data, and it doesn't speed and slow itself up and down, so there is still a fair bit of driver interaction, which I'm quite enjoying. Yeah, so. yeah and I would imagine it's quite good that it doesn't give you data, because uh, knowing your background, you'd be, <laughs> you'd be too busy trying to interpret all the data yeah, and uh, it's, not It's good enough, it tells me the speed and how many hectares per hour, and I think that's, that's enough. Yeah. So you're quite right though. I've got enough of a job looking for beet and can spot spot the odd one with the odd uh, root rot or disease, but this is a really good looking crop. So I know you cover a, a reasonable area around the Brentwood. Um, so how about moving the vehicle about? Have you, do you have too many on-road miles? Um, yes, yeah, the, she covers a fair few miles a year. I'd have to look at what the computer says for how many, but um, yeah, there is a fair bit of road work. So we try and block lift where we can uh, and basically go round in a big circle each time. So uh, before we were here, we were over at Larling. Before then, um, I think we did a bit at home. We, uh, we lift around Croxton Way as well. So we just try and follow from place to place. But the harvester had a, had a breakdown, so I had to go all the way back to Thetford. It's about an hour's drive by road which is fine when you sat in the cab, but uh, you get a lot of irate drivers behind you. So, uh, But hopefully they all see the value of some great British sugar on their shelves. I certainly hope so. So if you had a breakdown, do you know what the problem was there? Because I would imagine there'll be a lot of um, perhaps contract drivers that are feeling your pain with that. Yes. So we had a few things that needed some TLC anyway. So a new turbine was fitted uh, on the right-hand side just to help pick them up, the beat up better. Uh, one of the bearings on the lifting chairs had gone uh, and I think in the frosty conditions I maybe tried a bit hard and put a little bend in the uh, the bar there that's driving those depth wheels so that had to go and be straightened but as you can see it's good as new so and and that was going to be my question was the uh, damage caused anything to do with driver error <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think uh, in an effort to try and get on on Saturday, I, I pushed it a little hard, but it was really frosty, so I'm glad we stopped um, yeah. and didn't do any more damage. And I would imagine there were an awful lot of other people, because it's getting quite late in the season now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, where are we? 25th of January today, yeah. so uh, yes, I'm amazed the factories have had adequate supply at times, but clearly they have, so yeah. good job to all the drivers out there that have been battling tougher conditions than what our light land here affords us. You say tougher conditions, I can see there's a big pit there that we've just sort of gone past. It doesn't show from a distance in the field, so how do you actually get around those type of issues? One of the things I'm learning is people who drill sugar beet fields don't necessarily lift them. So, uh, oh, missed the rope, we'll start that bit again. So yes, learning that people that uh, drill beet fields aren't necessarily the same people that come in and lift them. So, uh, unfortunately, this pit was drilled round in a circle. So uh, I've just had the challenge of trying to get a machine that only likes to go in straight lines to go round in some loops. Uh, and anyone that's familiar with these vavats probably will feel my pain because they don't like going round in a circle. So 
I'm, we won't show Harry where those beat are because uh, there's a fair few left on top, but I've done my best. Uh, and we'll see what we, we can pick up as we go around um, uh, lifting up and down at the ends. So we might, we'll get what we can, of course. And I've got to ask, you didn't drill it, did you? No, I did not. No. <laughs> so, uh, no, that was the customer on the farm here, they, they did their drilling. And that's one of the things we pick up in our drill training event. Uh, we've, we've got a couple of those coming up uh, on the 20th of Feb Morley. I'm afraid that one's actually full, but 21st of Feb at Rise Home, we've still got spaces. And we talk about trying to make sure you think ahead for the whole farm process, because you know, it's, it's getting that seed right, right at the very start before you drill and understanding every cultivation, every every activity that's going to follow throughout the year, isn't it? Uh, definitely. And now I've harvested, I can appreciate all the things our usual driver says to me about level fields and good row spacing and, of course, square squaring off round obstacles in the field because it does make all the difference. Uh, saves those losses, uh, which obviously then has a hygiene issue going forward in the future. Putting my... Uh, crop pathology hat back on. Of course we know beet that are left in the field will bolt, become ground keepers and become a good reservoir for pest and disease. So we have to we have to stay aware we really need to leave a few beet in the field, not only just for the gross margin and the grower return, but uh, also for the health of the future crop, which could of course be in the field next door. Yeah, well from looking at the surface of the bit you've just been, it's not too bad, there's a few little specks of white there so let's go and catch up with Harry and find out exactly how you're doing. Thank you very much Jess. Right so I'll leave um, Alistair doing the harvester driving and I've actually come out here with Harry and I thought while Alistair is busy you and I would have a quick chat about what you've seen around the area and uh, if there's anything you want to say about Alistair's driving before he comes and listens. <laughs> so, uh, He's, he's no. now driving past us, as you can probably hear. So, first of all, Harry, you've been doing the testing for, what, the last four or five months? Yeah, four or five months, since the beginning of the campaign, middle, early September. Right. So, we've sort of got through a good sort of 40, 40 harvesters now. Um, all across the country, we've seen a range of soil types from sand to clay to peat and everything in between. So, we're getting a fairly good idea of what's going on out there and what, what's influencing harvest conditions and what can help help the harvesters, what can improve efficiencies and where we can save a bit more beet and get more beet into the factories. So you say you've seen where you can make savings. Tell us what those savings are. Well, it all starts with establishment and getting the, the primary cultivations right to make sure that the harvester has got the easiest job he can do when he gets to the field. The more level you can get the seedbed, the more even you can get the establishment, the more even you can get your crown heights, the easier it is for the harvester to recover as much as is in the field. And that was something that Alistair picked up on in the way that this field has been drilled. Um, he's got a nice circular piece around a bit of a pit over there and uh, that was a bit of a challenge. And also we've just noticed that not all of the rows are equal. We've got one row that's slightly to one side. So, you know, if you don't get that right at the start... Yeah, then... and it's it's the little things that start at the beginning. It's, it's getting a tape measure out and just laying it across the back of the drill just to make sure everything's right and checking it through the season checking all the cultures are drilling at the same depth and just it's, it's the little things that are making the biggest difference drilling around a, a pond at the top of the field and pulling out pulling out the headlands pulling out the, the joins in the headlands and the overlaps 
did do one test just to just to have a look, and there was an 18 ton a hectare loss on the headlands where where the ends hadn't been pulled out or auto shot off hadn't been used. 18 ton. I mean, that's that's a huge is, loss, isn't it? It is huge. When when you work it out to the size of the field, it, it turned out to about it was about 32 tons about across the across the field. Right. Which that's, it doesn't sound still, a huge amount still, when you think about it, but it lot. is a big loss. Yeah. So just just taking a couple of hours just to nip around with a hoe if you haven't got auto shut off, yeah. especially at 40 pounds a ton, it's it's worth it. And also, probably best if you if possible. Get your drill driver to, to sit in with the harvester this year. I know, there's, yep. you know we've already finished quite a bit, but just if you can, get them to sit with the harvester driver and see the, the issues they're having at the end of the process. Yeah, it is the silly things, like sitting in with the harvester driver and having the driver of the harvester tell the drillman which way his would be easiest for him to harvest it, where he's going to start the field, which way round he wants to go around the headlands, how he wants the corners done. It's all, the, all those little bits make the harvester jobs a lot easier and more efficient and quicker, and you save you save more beef. And I would imagine one of the most common comments for you, and probably something that the harvester driver is, is almost expecting you to say, would be speed, wouldn't it? Yeah, not a lot of harvesters and a lot of area to get across, and there is a very, very fine balance between speed, efficiency, and saving beef. And I know it's been hard this year. There's been the weather windows have really closed in. It's been wet, and it's, it's put the pressure on to push the stick forward and go forward to get more beef. But there's still a there's still a fine balance, and you can you can see it behind the harvester sometimes where being forced to push. But it is that is the nature of the game this year. So there is more beef being lost, but it is it is recoverable in a good season. And it is you say down to the balance. So I know yeah we'll, we'll speak to Alison in a minute, but you've already picked up that. If he slowed the turbines down a fraction, he might be able to recover a little bit more. Well, it's little tweaks like that yeah. that he can possibly keep the speed but reduce somewhere yeah. else. And you've got to balance it on what's available in the field, whether the soil type as well, that had an impact. Yeah. So the first thing we noticed when we came here is, I mean, we're nearly on blowaway sand. It's, it's akin to Holcomb Beach up here. So he, he can run the turbines as slow as he likes because we know that the dirt's going to come off. The beet are coming out of the ground with the whole taproot, so let's let's keep it in the keep it in the harvester and get it into the factory. Mm -hmm. So every little bit helps. And that's the, some of the biggest losses come from the taproot loss, which you can't see because it's they're lost underground. And when you do a harvester test, you actually do what? So what we'll do is we'll clear, we'll pick up everything that comes out out of the harvester, out of the bottom of the turbines, across uh, six rows and about 20 metres long, and we do that a couple of times across the field to try and get a, an average of what's going on. But we'll, we'll discount the taproots because we'll, we'll take a view on that and take a, another measurement of that in the clamp. So we'll know the taproot loss. Um, so what we're looking for is anything that was on a beat that should still be on a, on a beat and going into, onto a lorry and into the factory. And roughly we're always sort of about a ton, ton and a half a hectare of surface losses is what, what you'll, you'll find in general across a field. Mm -hmm. But sometimes the biggest, the biggest loss we'll get will be from the crown tears. And so, so having that evenness of crown height, evenness of drilling, evenness of plant population can really reduce the service losses by making it a nice even start for the toppers and the flails and the scalpers to work where they should be so we're not cutting one beat in half and leaving the next beat. Yeah. And how would you say Alistair has fared? I think he's doing a fairly good job. Considering it is his very first season. His first season, he's had a fairly tricky start, but the scales will tell us what we need to know. Um, <laughs> and, it, and to be honest... He, He's, ra he's rather brave because this is outside his comfort zone and uh, having me along to <laughs> interview him and, and you doing a test of his, his abilities after just 10 days of um, harvesting. Because I, I would imagine there's been a little bit of hesitancy from some 
operators to, yeah. to have you on board. Yeah, but the whole the whole point of this, we're not we're not looking at harvesters really. We're looking at how we can help the other end of the, the scale. We, we want to start at the beginning. We want to start with the cultivations to make sure that when the harvester gets here, he's got the easiest, most efficient way of harvesting a beet, and he can get every beet that's in the field onto a pad and onto a lorry. And when you do a report for a farm like this, it goes obviously to the harvester, but it, to the harvester yeah, driver. Yeah, so it'll go it... to the harvester driver, it'll go to the grower, and it'll go to the account manager, so they can all have a conversation and work out where they could have saved a bit. Yeah. But nine times out of 10, there's never really a problem. It is just a, it's a three and a half ton hectare loss, which I don't think we're ever going to get much better than that. But it is having the confidence to know what you're doing and make those odd tweaks at the start that could, yep. that could potentially make a difference in the field, isn't it? Yeah, and it's, it's starting the conversation. It's, it's getting the ball rolling, thinking about next year's, thinking about next year's crop so that we can recover the beat. Well, Alice is on his last run down here, so we'll um, invite him over in a moment and see what your um, calculations tell him. So, Harry, we're now standing next to the harvester here. So what, what are you looking at here inside the actual tank? What I'll be starting to look at here is what are the beets looking like in the tank? What, what percentage of the beet are missing tap roots? What are overcrowned? What are undercrowned? If there's any green material in there. But the, the biggest thing you're looking at here is the tap roots and what's left, what's going to be left on the, on the beet themselves. And from here, we can see that quite clearly because you've got you know, some, some big bright white patches but yeah. not too many but not a lot there's there's not a lot there for the for the dry matter of the beet you would expect when you've come to beat or field like a beet like this where it's had a lot of rain in the last couple of days look in the last couple of weeks the dry matter of the beet is going to be really low a lot of moisture in them they're going to be very brittle and they're going to break there and there's there's very very little you can do about it even here we're watching Alistair go up and down sort of crawling along the turbines are going really slow and they're still they're still beet breaking which there's, you're never going to get away from it. No, it's, but, it's accepting that with the conditions, isn't it? Yeah, it's accepting that actually. The conditions of the field are really good. Um, it's doing a very tidy job. All the beets in the ground, out of the ground and in the tank. There's just a little bit of a little bit of tap roots which have been knocked off on the turbines, but it's always going to happen with these machines. Right. So that sounds like a, a, a tick for you on item number one, Alistair. Yes, I think we can't control obviously that root breakage, but. I think, as Harry said, it it was less pronounced the other week when I was lifting, so clearly the rain we've had since has, has made a bit of a difference, and I'm sure there's probably varietal differences. Yeah, no, I'm pleased. If, if Harry's happy, I'm happy. So. <laughs> and then, Harry, I noticed you also picked up some of the beet that was left behind. Yep. And what are you doing with that? So in my buckets here, I have got uh, some beet, or some of the tap roots which have been knocked off, which we can see, but that's taken into account when we do... Like we just said, we've just had a, a count through the beet in the tank. And the other bucket is full of bits of beet which were on a beet and could still be on a beet somewhere going into the factory. But just out of interest, what, what sort of tonnage a hectare do you think is in the green bucket? Ooh. What area so is that, that off? That's out over 20 metres by six rows. So 60 square metres. I don't know. Couple? That's probably going to be more. Couple of tonne? Yeah. You're at 0.28 of a ton of hectare. Is that all? That's all. That's that's all well, that's come off there. Well, we do we do aim to, to deliver a quality service, so I am <laughs> pleased <laughs> about that. Yeah. yeah, that's really good. But bucket number two is the tap roots. Hmm. So that's the bits that are broken off. So we can't really. That's the bits stop that are broken it. off, which you can't really stop. There's not a lot you can do about it. Yeah, and there's probably what twice the amount. Yeah. Yeah. So what? Three quarters of a ton or so. Actually, a little bit more. Oh. So you're you're three tons a hectare on that one. Really? Oh. But that that oh. is only bringing your 
total loss on this one to 3.29 tonnes a hectare. Okay. Which yeah. you are, you're well in the average of all the harvesters we've seen so far. Good. And what, which, what is the average? So the average at the moment is just a, just under 3.2 tonnes a hectare. Yeah. Um, the lowest we've seen is 1.4. And the most we've seen in the field is 8.2. Oh, yeah. wow. Um, but then due to conditions where they were, it was, it was a heavy field. It was about to rain and it was a case of we're not leaving this beat before before we can't get it again. So the stick was forward, the conditions were not ideal, but the beat was out, the field is back to where it should be, yeah. and it's done. That's balancing that. So risk is, and reward, isn't it? That is a balance, and that is, that's a risky take, but in the grand scheme of things, across that field, it was better to do it then than to wait till, wait till December when the likelihood is they wouldn't have got it at all. Yeah. yeah. And I sat in with um, Alistair, as you, you saw, and I could see that crowning depth was, was great and he was getting most of the beat out, but is there any small pointers you can give him to perhaps just recover a fraction more? Uh, the only thing that I've noticed since being here is just where the beat are going from the fourth to the fifth turbine, then onto the trace, um, the ring trace, and there was some the beat snapping on there, but if you slow the turbines down at all on this, this sort of land you can because it just falls off. Yeah. And if it's going to go yeah, into yeah, the clamp yeah. for more than more than 24 hours, you'll never see that dirt tear come through in the factory. So I'll give it a go a and see if it's a lovely place to start, really. Yeah. So brilliant. So congratulations, Arthur. Another win for you. <laughs> um, and uh, we'll look forward to following your journey and hopefully your, your family are going to be happy and they'll have you back on there again. Next well, year. hopefully. That's the, that's, the, that's the acid test, isn't it, really? And hopefully the customers are all happy too. So yeah, uh, it's a big responsibility harvesting someone else's crop. So I'm glad Harry said we're doing a good job on average. So, yeah, yeah good. Well done. So thank you both ever so much for your time today. Anytime. My pleasure. Thanks, yes, no worries. Well, it's been great to leave our brave guest with a smile on his face. So well done to Alistair. As mentioned, we are running drill training events on the 20th of February at Morley. Let me know if you'd like to be added to a waiting list for that one. And the 21st of February at Rise Home, there are plenty of spaces. And also we have Beat Tech, which is the 6th and 8th of February. So if you're getting this in the next few days, then please do book your place. And again, that's at Newmarket on the 6th and Belton Woods on the 8th. All of which can be booked by the BBRO website, www.bbro.co.uk. And for this month, we do have our basis points. So for one basis point, the reference number is CP forward slash 132657 forward slash 2324 forward slash K. As always, have a very good February and thank you for listening.